Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And today, Benji and I do a deep dive. Like, I was surprised by the depth and the length of this podcast episode. Because it's all about courage, which is, we've given this talk before, really unpacking what is courage. Because it's one of the five virtues within High Noon that we really champion. But we unpacked a lot that we didn't even know we knew. And it was incredibly helpful for us. And it will be very instructive for you as well in terms of your journey to understand the nuance of courage and how to apply it in very small ways throughout your day and the benefits of doing such, as well as what does it look like in in a big sense, like in big moments of your life, key moments. But to be honest, I think that this is a secret ingredient Courage, having courage, enacting courage, committing to courage in all forms is the, one of the most liberating things that you can do with your life. We give some very clear instances of why that is the case, but I honestly feel like this is a, a core fundamental episode, and please listen to it the whole way through. I'm very interested. Do you all listen to it, kind of lying in bed, looking at posters of Benji and I, or do you listen to it in triple speed as you're running through time and space or do you just well, how do you consume our episodes i'm very curious because we have such a wide variety of folks listening to us i don't know how you listen to it very curious anyway enjoy this episode i i think it's very stimulating and will give you a lot of food for thought and a lot of ammunition for your journey in on 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 route to sexual integrity so enjoy Hello, folks, you little folks. How you doing, folks? Benji's here wearing a beautiful shirt. Isn't it weird when people say that something you have is beautiful? Because it's not necessarily usually what we're going for is beautiful. I'm I'm, being, I'm trying to be a little courageous with my outfit. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, colors, colors are very welcome. I realized I went for it like a year ago because that's what I was in high school. I was just like a walking neon sign. I just loved colors. And then at some point, I just stopped pursuing colors. And a year ago, I was like, I'm going to go all in. And it felt a little clunky in the beginning, but it sounds so stupid. Like, oh, I'm going to wear more colors. But if that's what you're feeling and you don't do it, it's... that lack of courage is just like a year. Your true self doesn't emerge. How's your true self dress, everybody? That's the that's the real question. Can I tell you something that I learned tell me that changed my life in Costa Rica? We went to Costa Rica to do a workshop for Hainan, right? Yeah. On the air on the airplane or in the airport on the way back. When I got back to the states, we went through immigration line. The immigration line was excessively long, egregiously long, and as I was waiting for like an hour. I decided to play a little game of who who's the most stylish man that I see that I can replicate because I like to I like to look at people that I you know internally and externally that I feel like I can learn something from right and I looked at these American men in the American US passport line and I did not see one single human being that I was like wow that guy has style or that guy I want to I want to absorb or be bequeath his style right 
because everyone's wearing sweatpants and and hoodies and graphic t-shirts and all this stuff. And I was like, this is disappointing. And then I look at it myself and I was wearing the exact same thing <laughs> as everyone else. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. And then I realized like, I, I want to be somebody that if I saw, you know, myself, like my spirit, if my spiritual self saw myself or my future self saw myself from spirit world, I would be proud of mm. the person internally and externally, you know, physically, style wise, all that. So after that, I, after I came back home, I bought a bunch of shirts online and I went to the, the Gap, bought some shirts. And so here I am. There you go. Yeah. Fancy Dan over here. Well, this is actually kind of relevant because last night I went on a date with my wife. We, it was hilarious. We were in like the fanciest mall in Mongolia. It's called the Shangri-La Mall. And I had set it up because my wife loves soup so much and I love sushi. And I found a place that was shabu shabu and sushi. I was like, let's go. So we went and I I looked and I saw exactly what I wanted. The The waitress came. I was like, yeah, can I have this? And it was like in the sushi section, I got like a, you know, like a, an array of sushi. And and then she she took our order, she left, and then she came back, and then she told my wife something in Mongolian, and my wife was kind of like, she just kind of laughed, and she's like, they don't have sushi. And I was like, it's a, on the sign, it says Shabu Shabu and Sushi Restaurant. I was like, all right. So the next best thing that I could find on the menu was pizza, and then she's like, oh yeah, we don't have pizza in the restaurant. I was like, whoa. What is happening right now? Anyway, we had a nice date. We figured it out. We both just ate soup. And then we went to go see Dead Reckoning Part 1 the in IMAX, which is like the Mission Impossible movie. So intense. And I remember being on an airplane. Never watch a Mission Impossible movie on an airplane, by the way, because it gives you so much anxiety because it's all about like crashing things. But the the I remember crying watching... Mission Impossible, the last one with the Superman guy, whatever his name is. You know that guy, super good looking, buff man. Henry. Henry something, yeah, yeah. He And I was just crying because of the character, what is Ethan in the Mission Impossible movies, is so determined to save the world that he will bend reality to make that happen. And that it's such a pure desire for the, the good of humanity that I realized that that's us at our very best. That's I've experienced that, but I don't live there. But that guy, that character lives there. And if he makes a promise, he will die before he doesn't make good on that promise. You know? And so, it, like, he learns how to fly a helicopter and all this stuff. And the same movie, same thing happened in this last movie, Dead Reckoning Part 1, is, like, he he makes this promise. There's a female character that's kind of, like, he's training, in a sense. And... And she's like, she's being asked kind of to join them. And she's like, but like, who's going to protect me? He's like, I can't promise to protect you, but I can promise, he said, to value your life more than my own. I'll be there and I'll protect you more than I protect myself. And it was like, it was so cool because after I left the movie, I looked at my wife and I just looked her in the eye and said, we can never get old. Let's never get old. And I don't mean physically. I mean that attitude where we let our standards fall physically. And the, the reason why I connected to the conversation we just had is because fashion, even like dress the way that you should dress, that you feel like you want to show up in this world and like, don't start wearing sweatpants on an airplane. Like I just, I, 
if that's your style, that's great. Your that's what you're going for. But like, <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I always vowed to never be a sweatpants dude. So, you know, recently I just went shopping and I, I got rid of a ton of clothes and I went to what's called a black market out here and I stepped up my game and I'm going to do it again before I leave. And it changes how I walk and how I feel when I'm walking. And it also comes with negative repercussions because this morning I felt super fancy as I left. I was going to the bus to get to work. I'm still out here in Mongolia. And these guys tried to pick a fight with me. They were still drunk from last night. It was like almost 8 o'clock in the morning. Then the guy kind of, I couldn't tell what he was doing because he was just being really erratic. And he, he kind of lifted his hands like he was going to, and I just kind of pushed him away. And I just kept on walking because I just had to get to work and have time. And I just watched Mission Impossible so he wouldn't have been in good shape because I just would have harnessed all of my Tom Cruise <laughs> masculinity. I'm like the same size as Tom Cruise. so. But it affects everything. And obviously it attracts good attention and bad attention, whatever. But if you're, it's all part of this kind of standard of living of never, never lessening the value of yourself and and that can be expressed in so many different ways. The kind of conversations that you allow yourself to have, the way that you dress, the type of food that you allow yourself to eat, and all this stuff. So I just, I wanted to mention that because it, it was, I typically, you know, you're supposed to go to the Word of God for inspiration. And for some reason, the past couple uh, Mission Impossible movies have like really inspired my spiritual life to, to take things more seriously. To really, I know it sounds so stupid, I know, but that's why I think those movies exist and resonate on such a big level and they keep on making them because it's something so beautiful about, I will die before I let evil prevail. And that's like the, that's the, the modus operandi of the main character. And it's such a beautiful thing that we can all learn from because I took that as like, yeah, porn's going to die. It seems like this nebulous, ubiquitous force that is, you know, but we are going to defeat it. We're going to totally do it. Only if we cannot get enough people who are that committed to like making goodness prevail, you know? Yeah. I've been reading a lot about from Father's words about spirit, spirit world and spiritual strength and spiritual power. And, and two things come to mind when you were sharing. Number one, you said that all the greatest ideas in history were not individuals, but it was spirits behind them that were inspiring them. And so when I heard that, it, it puts a different view on things like movies, which might sound silly, right? But if you look at it through that lens, it's like Tom Cruise, you know, running and dashing for four or five movies, right? Or the last 30 years or so. Yeah, yeah. Could be an inspiration from heaven, right? From spirit. And the other thing that he said is that the spirit world is, the evil in the world is only but a, a drop in an ocean of goodness, Mm. And that consumes all the universe. In other words, the, the evil that we see, the porn that we see, the, the messed up stuff about our world is only a drop in an ocean of goodness that mm. God created this world to be. And I agree that these types of things, pornography, you know, if you watch the news for, for even half a second, you'll be consumed by, by doubt and fear and, and woe, is, woe is us, right? But if you look through the lens of our spiritual senses, I think it's, it's very clear that in the end, God has a foothold on this world and God created this world as such that evil will kill itself off eventually. Well, so yeah. let's say self-centeredness will kill sure. itself off and selflessness will prevail in the end. Just like in the movie. Absolutely. Well, just like communism. What, what happens to communism? But also, you know, what happens to Rome? 
is decadence and selfishness. Like, you know, selfishness can be manifest manifested in something like communism, which always has a shelf life because it can't survive because it's based on fear and doubt and humans cannot live like that. It will always just kind of wither and die. But something like the opposite of like no freedom, that'll that's that's for sure going to die. But also ultimate freedom without responsibility, like Rome when it died and kind of America right now is teetering on that, is that it it dies too. <laughs> Hopefully we can bring it back is the point. And guys and gals, yeah, thank you for that. How do you interpret that, by the way, Benji? The the second thing that you said, that quote from True Father, what was it? That there's about in the universe than, than evil. Yeah, how do you interpret that? I interpret I interpret that as God made the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice and risk of giving human beings free will. What in times of difficulty though, like when you when you do see the news and like, you know, this everybody has and their grandma, literally, well, grandpa, I guess, has been reaching out to High Noon and to me yeah. to go watch the Sound of Freedom, which is all about human yeah. trafficking and it's really resonating because it's such an egregious evil, but it's, for me, I'm sensitive to all that stuff, and it's hard to watch because I'll never forget those images. So when you see something like that, how do you interpret a quote like like what you just mentioned about the universe being ultimately good? I think there's a lot we don't see, and that's, my, that's a fundamental belief I have that it causes me to feel like this. And of course, if obviously, if I looked at the world, and I have for many years, to be honest, to be frank, because I'm a skeptic and I'm a practical person. I'm a physical person. Mm -hmm. And I've looked through my physical eyes for so long at the world and the news. I was one of those, you know, one of those guys. I was like, look at this, look at what these evil people are doing, right? You can name any issue on the planet. And there are, there are, there are individuals on both sides screaming about how evil the other is. And I was on one of those for many years, for a long time, righteous, you know, upset, frustrated, and I just, I, I think since I've become more, had more experiences with, you know, trying to be curious about spirituality and how, how our actions and, and our lives in this world affect not just the physical plane, but also a, a plane beyond the physical, which is the mm -hmm. belief I have. And so yeah. when I think of that, I just think like, oh, everything will be all right. Everything will be okay. It comes to mind a quote from Albert Einstein that I heard very recently. He said, there, is, there are only two ways to live life. One is to live as if nothing is a miracle and everything is accidental. And the second is to live as if everything's a miracle. Mm. And, I, and it, to me, I interpret that as it's, it's a choice we have. And, you know, if you listen to like the, the, the most popular podcasts out there, the narrative currently is like, well, unless you have proof, the default is to be skeptical. But I think if you're skeptical without genuine curiosity, it's not real skepticism. Because a real person that's skepticism, they'll, they'll re research, they'll try to understand, they will actually talk with people to try to figure things out. And so I had to go through this process of trying to understand like God and spirituality. And so I've come to the conclusion that I, I believe that everything is, you know, according to Einstein's quote, everything is more or less a miracle rather than just random and accidental you know yeah. and so because i live my life like that it's it i feel this to answer your question i feel this this like calmness or like it's okay everything will be all right in the end you know yeah yeah i think that's it no that's beautiful there's 
there's a guy that I I check in on every now and again. He's kind of like a scientist who was mentioning the fact that the greatest technology that anybody has ever experienced anywhere in the galaxy is the human body. And we disregard it a lot, all day, every day, as just we're used to this thing operating on autopilot and we don't feed it what it wants, meaning the right thoughts, because our thoughts definitely impact our physical state and stress levels and inflammation and all this stuff. But then our, you know, our food choices and all this stuff. So what he was saying is like, you know, we're, we're looking at AI as this great marvel and we're constantly looking out at the world outside of us without realizing that we are the miracle, like you said. And he said in, in his estimation, we're getting to a place kind of providentially that, that where we will be able to recognize the sheer wonder of each other and when we connect even just when you hug somebody with an open heart and they, they reciprocate, what takes place when you hug them is your heart sends a message to another person. There's a thing that you were born from your mother, and so when you hug your mom for a long time, your heart was trained by your mother to beat because it learned how to beat in rhythm with your mom when you were inside of her. So when you hug her, it goes, that's like it's home, and it starts to beat in the same way as your mother. Like how crazy and amazing it's they're speaking to each other so without without that you're like eh, what was the last time you hugged your mom like how actually important is that on a deep just a physiological sense but there's obviously a deeper reason behind that so i think this this is all preamble we're already 16 minutes in and we're just this is like the appetizer that i never got last night because i didn't have my sushi but this is the spiritual appetizer for the main topic the main course which is about courage because what you're saying, Benji, is it's so easy in this world right now to be pessimistic and to be skeptical. And skeptical is usually pes pessimistic. It's like, I'm going to reserve the right to care or to be hopeful. And like, no, that's that's actually super easy is to doubt. And so easy. It's it's actually our default in our world. And to doubt or to judge is is very common and very easy. It's it, It's harder and it takes courage to care. And to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today in a real way. And on this podcast, I just interviewed Tyler Hendricks, Dr. Tyler Hendricks, a few days ago. And that kind of came up, this idea of like, how, well, nobody's really planning for a better world. Even in our movement, we talk a lot about Chanel Gook in a very vague and esoteric way, but we're not planning for it. And in your own sexual integrity journey, are you just trying to get through days and just trying to have incremental gains? Or do you actually believe that your life will be free and clear of addiction and you're kind of you're you're solving for that problem so that you know it's a com completely different energy and you'll get different ideas and you'll you'll kind of pivot differently if your goal is to to live a crystal clear, beautiful, wonderful, inspiring life or just trying to get rid of some addiction. It's a very, very different. It's like, I want to walk to the store or I want to go to Mars. It's like a different, you're planning differently. It's going to take a different amount of effort. And, but all of it, I just really want to mention, even believing that tomorrow could be better than today takes courage. Because in this world, it's so easy to say, we're all screwed. Everything's bad. It's his fault to blame, to judge, to give up, to throw your hands up. 
that's that's becoming commonplace and it's not what people want but it's what they believe they deserve or what they expect it's what they're used to and so i would in the first thing we're going to be talking about courage today but the first thing is just to understand that at a very base level it's it takes so much courage just to get out of bed and live life thinking that you can have a better day than you did yesterday and that you can influence the world in a positive way and that this world will get better. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. you can resonate with that because you and I are both intense people who have very bright emotions and can get pretty angry at times and can stay stuck or possibly resentful. But to get out of that really does take courage because it requires you kind of facing yourself and saying, man, I'm being a real weasel right now. And, you know, and that, that in and of itself is hard. And then to get past that, you know? Yeah. There is one brother I was talking to just a few days ago in the Ascend program. And I, I, he won't mind me sharing this, but he is in a situation where he's growing. And we, after talking with him and asking questions and really him going through this Ascend program, he came to the realization that he is growing. And I asked him, like, how have you progressed in your emotional state and addressing the root causes of why you want to escape to porn masturbation? He's like, yeah, I've, I've grown a lot. I've developed a relationship with my parents. I've developed a support system, a support network where I can share my feelings with people. It's amazing. And I'm going and I'm growing very quickly. But also at the same time, he's being weighed down by the reality that he's still using porn as a crutch. And what happened was he went four weeks, an entire month without acting out, felt great. And then one time made a slight mistake and then has been kind of spiraling down you know engaged in a downward spiral in in his in his habit right and and he's riddled with shame and feelings of like oh i can't believe i'm still still here i can't believe i'm still at square one and i haven't progressed a lot at all and that's what he's saying and so i told him in this conversation that you are growing like you are growing and you're getting past this and because you've identified yourself as a porn addict You've identified yourself as haven't, haven't progressed and that you are still where you were in the beginning. That is causing you to spiral out of control. And so he wasn't having, he wasn't having the confidence or, or courage to actually believe that he, he is doing the work, that he is growing. Sure. And, and then I asked and I kind of told him like this, like you are identifying yourself as an addict and, and you're counting the days of sobriety essentially until your next slip up. You're yeah. counting the days because after 40 days, 90 days, you want to be able to say, I went this long before slipping off. But if you really wanted to quit this thing, if your life depended on it, or if you're, you know, your sister's life depended on it, or your wife's life depended on it, would you be counting days? He was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, there you go. So you're giving power to this identity you have as an addict, but in reality, you're actually growing a lot. And if you just took that slip up and said, oh man, I made a mistake. And then just kept got back up and kept on climbing the mountain. You wouldn't have spiraled out of control. And so I told him to think about this for for a few days, and then send me a text message to see you know what he's digested and how he's learned. And what I'm proud of him for doing is taking this courageous step of of disassociating himself with his identity identity as being a porn addict. And he said something very very relevant. He said, "I'm disassociating from being having a porn problem." but actually just have an escapism problem because I don't know how to deal with these emotions and I'm up shame and guilt and I try to escape those feelings to mm. the closest thing that I can grab. 
the closest and most accessible drug to me, right? And I was like, that's very courageous because it's easy. It's easier, I think, in the short term to just label myself like, oh, I'm still an addict. I'm still, I haven't progressed at all. And I might as well, I might as well just give up. Yeah, the convenient rages because he's he's giving that up and that identity up and that crutch up. I thought that was cool. I just want to show that. Yeah, no, that's great. Because escapism, what do you what, like to escape means to not face something and to face something takes courage. So, you know, I had a good conversation with somebody two days ago about the merit of just reaching out when you are struggling and how that's not your default yet because you like to do this on your own because even though it doesn't work, but it just the act of saying I'm struggling right now takes a lot of courage because you have to admit I don't have the answers right now. I am floundering right now. And there's something that our ego really abhors about that process, about saying I am out of control right now. Because even when we're out of control, we're like, I got this, I got this. Every addict for anything ever is like, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Are you addicted? No, I got control. And like, they could be, you know, have needles sticking out of their arm at the time. And you're like, I don't think you have control. But that that courage is sneaky. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into. Because we, we've been giving presentations about courage. And I just feel like people have a very skewed and a slightly wrong view of courage that doesn't behoove like good results. Because we... What we see courage as is this grand gesture of power, that I have power in the face of my enemies, right? Oh, that person is really courageous because they stood up against the government or they stood up against some villain. So again, we were watching some Mission Impossible, and he's a very courageous guy because he'll even fight his own government because he's so righteous, even though it's like he gets kicked out of his own country, but he doesn't care, right? So that's a good example of, Oh wow, that's it's movie star courage. But honestly speaking, when when you have a secret and you know that it's gonna make you look so bad to let other people know what you've done, to tell somebody about that is the real courage that we need in order to survive this life. And when you get used to having that kind of courage, then the big courage you don't even have to worry about it. It'll take care of itself. Just like when you do martial arts, it's about repeating these movements so many times that when you're in such an instance, you're at a, a, a you know, tournament or you're in a street fight or something, you're not thinking. You're just doing the moves subconsciously because you've trained yourself to react in a certain way. When somebody punches me, I block like this because I've done it a million times. I don't think about it. I just do it. And that's the same thing with our courage is if you've practiced it so many times throughout the day, I have the courage to say, I'm going to put down my phone and I'm going to do it. I should go for a walk and I do it. That's all acts, small acts of courage. And then this, the, the more that you scale up, it's like the more that you're involving other people. Oh, I should tell. I had a very good conversation with somebody who didn't let their wife know that they were struggling. And I was surprised because like I, I, that was an assumption that I had that they were. And then he was really scared of what her reaction was going to be. And then he had a conversation with her and he's like, I was so surprised by how much grace she gave me. I was like, that's the other side of courage. Is like when you just just do what you know you need to do, it 
Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but it's always relieving because now you don't have that burden on you. But the price that you have to pay is courage. You know? And so it's, 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 I would love to explore that a little bit more, you and I, like right now, like what small acts of courage so that people can see what it is. Um, because otherwise they just, they, they don't understand the game that they're playing. It's just merely an act of courage to, I'll give you one, like when you see somebody in need on the street, like a lot of times when you see homeless people or you see needy people, the typical way is to avoid looking at them. Don't make eye contact with them because it it's painful. I don't want to look at this unsightly situation, right? It takes courage to look at them. And even if you don't have money, let's say in the case of a homeless person, just to be like, look, I really don't have money right now. But to, to treat them like a human, that takes courage, Right, we avoid eye contact with our neighbors, especially with unsightly things like somebody with a handicap walking down the street or something. We always, we always like that. We like avoid eye contact because we we just don't know how to deal with the situation, so we run away in our heads, and it manifests in us not looking at them. But how much more you see somebody in need and just say, "Hey, can I help?" Or I can't help right now, but I, I, I can I pray for you? Something like that's that's the courageous thing to do is to get outside of your little head your little thoughts and get get out into the world do you have anything yeah it's an inter interesting question because when we were talking about courage i i made the i just i i think of courage as grand things like i was thinking of episode episodes of courage in my life and in the lives of some of my close people i've worked with right and they're always the biggest things like having children getting matched choosing a spouse right but if you're thinking about the day-to-day -day, it's a good question i would say for me, like if I, it's helpful for me to define what courage is on a grand level, also on a micro level. Like it's, it's filling in the gap between this discrepancy between what we want and what we do, like our actions and our words. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, it's like, I want to be somebody that is kind to homeless people and lovely is, is loving to homeless people. But the reality is like when we see them, not, this an example, right? Not everyone's like this. Or, you know, for example, like you mentioned, I should talk to somebody about my struggle with PMO or with, with my emotions today. And I want to, but I don't want to. And I know I want mm. to, long-term want to. Short-term, I don't want to because it's hard, because it's difficult. I want to go to the gym long-term. It's like, I want to go to the gym. I want to exercise. I want to eat well because it's who I want to be. But short-term is like, it's hard and I don't want to do it. So for me, sure. courage is like on the day-to-day -day is simply just filling that gap and essentially it's like it's just doing it right and it reminds me of this like quote that i heard from elon musk and it really like shocked me it, it, it helped me learn some things right and he, someone was asking him what would you recommend to to young entrepreneurs who are trying to start a business right to stay motivated how do we stay motivated and he said you like thought for half a second and he was like if you need motivation to be an entrepreneur then you, then entrepreneurship is not for you right and so how I interpreted that is that when we really want something, it's not the motivation that gets us through. It's the fact that it's what we want. It's that being integrity, having integrity with ourselves and having the courage to do the work that will get us there, even if we don't want to. And so the people yeah. that, the people we see who are like successful in fitness and all that stuff, they don't walk around looking for motivation to do it. They do it because it's what they want to do. And it reminds me of like, I think a good example is like a mother waking up in the middle of the night, the newborn baby. 
do you, does a mother need motivation to take care of a baby? No. Mother does it or father does it because it's what you do. It's your responsibility and it's what you want. Hmm. So for me, that's like the courage, day-to-day courage is, is simply just filling that gap and just doing the things that we know we want for ourselves because we want it and not letting the like, oh, I don't want to do it today because it's difficult, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and to admit when you're when you're being lazy, right? So I think two two really good frameworks for courage within the sexual integrity journey that I that I think we could both agree are major blocks for people is one. Mm. The first, the initial one is to reach out to us and to start a program, to start the process of letting go of your old bad habits and start adopting new habits and to look at yourself more honestly. Like, so joining our programs, going through this process, that's a hindrance for so many people. The majority of people, we've spoken around the world to hundreds of people, thousands of people, and just a fraction of them join our programs. The more that people join the programs, the more people join because the initial people's courage to join and just to say, hey, I joined a high noon program, the easier it is for other people to subsequently join, right? Mm -hmm. But this is one major bout of courage that a lot of people lack is just to start the process, to do the thing that they know they should do initially. Then another massive hindrance is if somebody's already started the process of working on themselves, there's always a point when people want to quit because either they had a really good streak and then they fell flat on their face or they just they just feel like they're not making progress. So it's so much easier to quit in that moment and say, I tried or this doesn't work or whatever. It's so much easier to do that than to say, I need to start again. And the process of starting again. So I guess those are the two things. One is to start. And the other one is to start again. And I would say, in a sense, starting again is harder than starting for the first time. Because for the first time, depending on how things are marketed, you, your belief in the the process is is like you're inheriting that from people like you and me who are saying you can do this, right? So you, you're getting our confidence in that this can work. But then after you've tried it and you didn't get the results that you wanted, to have the courage to believe that you can start again and get results is really it takes so much very subtle courage because you wouldn't really identify that as being courage, right? It doesn't seem like a courageous act, but to believe again, to start with a fresh mind, with fresh motivation is actually so necessary in every aspect. You're talking about entrepreneurship, you talk fitness, anything like how finding new hope every day, finding new reasons to try, trying after you try it and you look like an idiot or you feel like you look like an idiot. These things all take courage that ultimately lead to a life of you feeling good about yourself rather than escapism. Because we want to, when we are uncomfortable, the courageous thing is to deal with that discomfort. The common thing is to want to escape that discomfort, which only makes you feel more uncomfortable in more areas of your life. I'm uncomfortable in social settings, so I eat a lot. Now you're going to be more uncomfortable with your own self. (laughs) And now the discomfort is spreading rather than life getting better. So there's always two roads. One is to escape and the other is to face your demons. And those demons come in many different forms, sometimes obvious, like I'm really depressed. And other times it's like, 
yeah, I'll just I'll just skip this quarter. You know, I'll just do it on my own this quarter. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Look at that. Because usually that's just I, I want to go back to the way things were where I was suffering on my own instead of trying to do something and feeling like I'm not good at it. Right. And that's the other thing, too. I just wanted to mention quickly that recovery from anything is often pitched to be like a process akin to education where you learn something and then you know it and then now you know it instead of a, a muscle that you needs constant exercise. So recovery, to stay recovered means to be healthy and to be healthy takes daily effort. So it's not like you can dip in and dip out and okay, yeah, I, I tried that recovery thing, I'm recovered and now I don't. I mean, to, no, you still have to practice being a healthy person every day. So, yeah, playing the long game takes takes courage, is what I'll say. I think courage is like when the rubber hits the road because people, I remember when I was really struggling with sexual integrity and I always had this in the back of my mind, like, it's like someday if I just keep doing it, eventually something will click and it will just be easy. Like, I just remember that thought, like, eventually <laughs> I will just get it and it will just turn something off or turn something off and I will just be fixed, right? I remember yeah. thinking that and believing that. And I think what I realized over time is that what it really comes down to is that like we want it to be easy. Like we don't, we don't, I think like taking porn, for example, we don't want to live a life where we're just struggling the urges and fighting their urges constantly and just pushing ourselves and willing ourselves through sexual temptation. That's a terrible life to live. It's distracting. It consumes consumes so much time, effort, focus, and energy. It's terrible, right? But wouldn't it be nice if it was easy to make courageous decisions? And so this is a common question that actually comes up uh, a lot with people that I talk to because we talk about this a lot in our content, right? Is when will it just be easy to, to, to do the things that I know I need to do to be courageous to to reach out to someone, be courageous to talk about my my internal state, my emotions, to be courageous to do the simple daily things, to be courageous to wake up when I say I'm going to wake up, those kinds of things, when will it be easy? And so my answer to that is usually like, I think at the beginning, it just takes doing. Like, you, yeah, like as much as I hate to say that, because I like to think that things just come naturally. Like eventually you just get it and it'll come naturally. But I think in the init initially, kind of like going to the gym, it's kind of akin to that. It just have to do it. And eventually, if you do it for three months, then it'll be easy. And then eventually you will prefer to do it than not do it. Yeah. And that's when you've struck gold, right? That, that was an arbitrary number, by the way. Three months. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever the number is for, for you. Like runners, for example. I've, I've met some avid runners in my life. I have some, some cousins that are avid runners. If they don't run every other day, they feel weird and weak. And I hired yeah. and they hate it. Yeah. Existence sucks. But if you ask me to run, I don't like it. I hate running. Amen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if, but if I really wanted to get into running, I know that in the beginning, it would just take some doing. It would just take me going to it, even though I don't want to do it in the beginning. And eventually, it will become easier. Eventually, my muscles will be, get used to stretching themselves. And then eventually, my lungs. And eventually, I will just prefer to do it. And the same yeah. thing happens with, with people that are really, really good at sharing their emotions with people. Like it's their knee-jerk reaction. 
you probably, you guys probably know someone like this in your life. They're, they have a difficult situation, stress, anxiety, depression, boredom. And their first thought is, who can I talk to about? Who can I talk to? And the reason, if you ask why they do it, they just do it. They don't have to think about it, right? My wife is like, she's stressed. She's not like, oh, I'm going to go play video games or watch porn or it's like, her first thought is like, who can I talk to? Like, that's her first thought, you know? And a lot of women are like that, but I don't want to generalize it. So I think it's just like, you just do it enough. And then what happens is you have proof that it works because you've tried it. And then you prefer to do it because you know it's better than any other alternate. Because yeah. then you learn like, oh, talking about my state of internal emotions is much better and easier and more effective to deal with these than squashing it down with social media and porn. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes your identity and it becomes just an extension of who you are. So that, what you brought up something that triggered something in me that, uh, like this I know in a good way, that a lot of people have, it, and there's a rubric to tell where you, where you fall on the spectrum, but if you, if you have kind of like a lottery mindset in terms of money, then you believe that one day if I just had a certain amount of money, everything will be fine. And that is never the case. And it's proven by the lottery statistics that over 80% of people that win the lottery end up losing it all and depressed and divorced and many, many commit suicide. There's conventions for people who have won the lottery and who are miserable. Like there's that many. So it's the vast majority. So it's, it, it's kind of like, this feeling like if I just had this thing, then everything would be okay, which is never the case. But the same thing exists for fitness too. If I could just be skinny or whatever in shape, then I would be happy, which also isn't the case because they've done statistical analysis on things like the biggest loser that show that most of them gain their weight back. So it's not about losing the weight. It, so Again, so one one perspective, one worldview is like the lottery mindset that if I just had this thing, and so this factors into sexual integrity, right? Like if I could just get rid of porn, then I would be happy. The other side of that would be to make it a lifestyle. So if you would like to have a healthy financial life, that requires like all of your decisions are healthy and you just adopt that as a part of your identity. Health and fitness, same thing, that you never just fit enough. It's a lifestyle. It's like every single decision that you make in terms of what goes into your mouth impacts your health. And how much you exercise and how much you sit and how much you stretch and all that is a part of a lifestyle. And with sexual integrity, the same thing. It's never about the eventual now things will be fine. It's about adopting a lifestyle of, okay, what do I do when I wake up? What do I not do when I wake up? This is something that you and I still, we're not, we don't struggle with porn for years and years and years and years. It's not an issue, but every single choice I make is connected to whether I maintain a life of healthy sexual integrity. And that is powerful because it's, it's not, you, you never, you're not working to an end. You're working every day for a state and to maintain that state as well as possible. And that there's joy in that because you can maintain that state for hours and days and months and years. If if you're right, like I would say we know some people <laughs> who are very wealthy who they are on top of money. 
because they 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 they've built their life into a state where money is not an issue that they struggle with. They dominate money, right? We also know people who physically are like that, and sexual integrity, same thing. Well, they they have dominated it because they are always a step ahead because it's their lifestyle, and they could see issues coming from a mile away, you know. So. That's that's a really important mindset shift that I think we all have to be careful of because it's marketing and the kind of materialistic viewpoint is that something outside of us, if we could just have it, will resolve our issues. And that's never the case. Never, ever the case. Because it's not the thing. It's how you relate to the world around you. That's always the case. Money here, money there, money you have money, you don't, it doesn't. It matters your relationship with money, your relationship with sexuality. That's what you're cleaning up here. So that's a that's a major shift that could sound, diff, you know, crappy for some people because they're like, oh, but I just wanted to get to this place where I never have to worry. But that it's not that that would be autopilot. And there's no fun in that. What's what's much more fun is that you can absolutely create a state where every day you can have more enjoyment with these things like wealthy people who end up finding that they've dominated money now how can i use this skill to help humanity how can i give back and like use my you know proclivities with money to help resolve these issues and that's why a lot of wealthy people become philanthropists at a certain point so it was sexual integrity it's like wow i've taken care of myself now i want to become a facilitator now i want to become you know, yeah, I can help more and more people because I'm good. And that's what you and I can do, Ben, Sammy, <laughs> the other Uyama, whatever your name is. We're in a place where we can really handle taking care of a lot of people's issues because we're maintaining a higher and higher level of our own sexual integrity. But it's that like once we're okay, that's okay, cool. That's that's really important. But now it's like, how do I add on to that every day? And so we're taking on more and more responsibility and it's great. It's it's even more fulfilling than just taking care of myself is taking care of other people. And that's that's nature and that's principle and that's life. A question is formulating that I want to ask you in my brain. Is it, it, out, is it compatible to have genuine sexual integrity health-wise and be completely unhealthy physically and financially and relationally? Yeah. Yeah. So in other easy. words, is it is it is it is it compatible, or are they? Because what the point you're making is is that it's a lifestyle that will will impact every aspect of your life. Sure. Because it's I I can imagine sometimes maybe when people join this join the high noon world, it's like oh I want to I want to get married someday, and I want that, and I know that this porn habit is going to destroy that, so I'm going to focus on this and get rid of the porn. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, addicted to, to smoking or junk food, sugar, and mm. don't exercise, let my weight, you know, weight get the best of me, et cetera. Are those things inca- incompatible or, you know what I'm saying? No, at a certain stage. So you can do well in one area for quite some time while not being healthy in another area, but eventually you will reach a very clear limitation to that. And and it will challenge all the other areas. So, for instance, with physical health, you could be a really happy, jolly, spiritually, I don't know, bright person in a in a 
thriving marriage and with your sexual integrity, but B, 400 pounds. I've, I'm sure you've met such people who are just like, I don't want to say name, but we, we, we know these people, but there's a clear limitation because when your health comes knocking on your door and you have health issues, which are inevitable if you don't take care of your health, then that impacts your relationships because now you are in the hospital or you're struggling in some way. So it will eventually, that, that check will be cashed. But I think also that when you are not just doing well in an area, but when you're thriving, you'll have a desire to want to replicate that in the other areas of your life to create a, a much more whole, holistic version of thriving. Because like, you know, like let's just say about sexuality, like it, it actually is much better for your sex life to be in better physical shape. It's been proven your libido goes up drastically when even they've correlated through many studies your libido and the belly fat that you have specifically for men if there's a correlation right mm. like that's a very specific thing so it means like abs aren't just a vanity metric they it shows that you have a higher libido in many cases right it raises your testosterone it does all these things and for women too there's there's a different correlation between your physical prowess and your sexual prowess so when you start to get to that place where okay i'm doing well now and if you follow that instinct to continually expand, which we all have within us, it's human nature. It's part of the, the, the universe is constantly expanding. We want to expand. If you want to expand your healing, then it'll start to eclipse the other areas of your life as well, yeah. inevitably. That's awesome. And, but it's very humbling because let's say you've been working so hard in one area and you finally r reach this good place. And then now you feel like you're starting all over, like at ground zero in another area. That can, it's equally challenging as starting anything for the first time. And the older you get, the less that you want to be a newbie at something. There's some ego thing. But if you could just let go and be new or go down to that humble place, then there's no end to how much you can grow. I think this whole idea gives a lot of validity to the constant thing we're advising people is start exercising, right? And it's kind of like a disconnect for some people. It's like, why should I exercise when I want to have sexual integrity? Like they don't see the linkage. But I think it's like, not exercise, let's reframe that. Health, investing in your health. Sure. In terms sure. like your, your physical health, inside your body, your muscles, et cetera. Because if you invest in your health, like go all in and being a healthy person physically, you are able to very very physically and clearly see the ramifications of your decisions whereas sexual integrity it's harder for people emotional things are harder relational things are harder to see how we progress how if you take one action it progresses to a result right if you take fitness you're actually seeing the ramifications of your actions in a shorter time frame and so it forces you to think long term because as we know people that think long very short term with fitness it's like oh i want to get fit this month for the summer, yeah, yeah, it doesn't last. Like you were talking the biggest loser, right? For a show, no one cares. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not going to last because it's not thinking long-term. And so to the same extent, we have to think of sexual integrity, our growth as a long-term thing. It's like, what are the things I'm doing every day that will eventually get me there? And not think of like, oh, I want to quit porn, you know, in, in one day. I'll remind you guys, you can quit porn today but the recovery part takes time. 
Well, the the health thing takes forever because it's a thriving, a sense of thriving. So every day is different. But no, I, I, I do agree. And it's like, it's not our lane, right? Physical health. And actually, the more I study what health is, the more I realize it's so confusing because there's it really is a unique journey for every person and your your DNA, like your ancestors, what they ate and what kind of exercises they did and all that factors in. But it's it is very clear that the healthier you are physically, the more energy you have. And actually there's so many correlations between the the chemicals that are flowing through you at any given time based on how much you've exercised and also obviously what you eat, like the chemicals in junk food are so depleting in terms of your energy levels, but also in terms of your mental health. There's there's a lot to be said about sugar and insulin spikes and depression. So there's obviously a lot of tie, tie-ins between wh- how much you're exercising and how, what you're eating and your sexual integrity. But that's not our expertise, so we don't talk about it a lot, but we mention it a lot. I think a lot of it. I like anybody who's at like glim- glimpsed at our podcast has probably heard us use a gym analogy, but it's it's a really good rubric, like you said, because once you get into the to that to the whole fitness thing, and you start to realize, wow, this is impacting that, and every single thing I eat impacts my energy levels and like how well I can work out, how well I recover, and then you see that as an analogy for your sexual integrity and like, wow, every song I listen to impacts me. Every conversation I have, every image I see, it's it's very analogous and it's very, if you can tie those two together, it's 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 helpful, you know? Yeah. But again, so there's, uh, I, 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 I'm going to talk about him in more depth, but this guy, Dave Goggins, is such a phenomenon because he's such a beast in one area, the fitness space. He's unstoppable. But I, I look at him also as just being this one-dimensional being whose other areas of his life don't inspire me at all because he's gone, all like you said, like his, his integrity as in terms of diet, in terms of exercise, is unparalleled in our present world. He's, he is the standard of like insane health person. But I, I, you know, his relationships don't sound so great. <laughs> and... He doesn't seem like a like a happy, rosy, posy person, but that's not what he claims to be. So, in balance, checks and balances is what I'm saying, and yeah, everything in 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 its own place. I think there's one maybe call to action I want to give people that was on my mind when we we're preparing for this because I was kind of thinking like, how do people? know where to apply courage. Like, how do you, okay, I understand courage is great. I want to have courage. I'm going to take courage. I just don't know where to apply it. I, I, I think whatever we give our, like, whatever we give our attention and our peace of mind to, whatever consumes our thoughts is, is an area where we're probably lacking courage. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we do our, we do our workshops and we have this activity called the lifting shame. Lifting we, sh- shame. we, we ask people to share their, their 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 most shameful things in their lives, right? Of course, but also the things yeah. that they're most proud of, right? The most sweet proud and of, sour. most power proud of, and most ashamed of, and it's of course voluntary. And what I usually ask the guys in the group that we when we do this is, I say, you know, share share whatever you feel scared to share. And the reason you're scared to share it is because it's consuming your peace of mind. 
And that means that it's probably something that you should share. Think about it because you're giving power to it. Right. And so it kind of helps people. Yeah. Well, I, no, I just really wanted to say that in, in, I, in one of my groups and we've done this event several times and in one of my groups, there was a guy that was like, he was like, I'm, I, you know what? I'll just tell you what I, I really dealing with. He's like, I was about to give you just this generic response. Oh yeah, I struggle with porn, blah, blah, blah. And I knew that everybody would just say, congratulations or thanks for sharing and all this stuff. But I want to tell you what's what I'm really dealing with. And he said some really intense stuff. And then we all thanked him. And the very next guy shared with us something that he was positive. He was going to take to his grave until the guy before him shared and showed him what courage looked like. And it gave him the courage to share with something that changed the course of his life because he had something that he had done, This the second guy, that he was so ashamed of that I am positive it would have influenced, because he even said it, like who he ended up marrying, who, like all the thoughts in his head every day and how much he hated himself and regretted himself. And he started, just sharing one time doesn't fix everything, but it starts the process of it losing its power, this mistake losing its power over you. But he could only share because the person before him started the the momentum of courage. So courage can be infectious, just like negativity can. Like those powerful things like pessimism or optimism can both be very contagious. So your courage isn't even about you all the time. Sometimes it's about other people. It's like courage is a secret secret weapon to shed light on shadows. Absolutely. So that the whole, I mean, we call it lifting shame because by talking about it, here's the process is when you make a mistake and you've done something regrettable and you keep it inside, then it becomes you and you become your mistake. By talking about it, it removes it from I am this to I have done this and you start to objectify it. And once it becomes objectified, it loses a lot of its power because now it's in your hand and you can start to wrestle with it and eventually you can let it go and then you process it. But by keeping it in, it will always have control. you. You'll be its puppet. And you might not know it, but it's impacting who you feel like you deserve as a spouse, what you feel like you deserve in terms of your food choices and all these crazy things that have nothing to do with the actual event that you regret. But now you're generating this lifestyle of not feeling good enough because it's stuck in you and you're like, I am garbage because I did a garbage thing. So it's so fundamentally, I got just, I got an angry text from some guy over the weekend who thinks that high noon, all we do is, is tell people to share their dark secrets and then we congratulate them for making mistakes. That's his interpretation of who we are. Mm -hmm. And you know, first of all, that's so fundamentally messed up because he doesn't know who we are and he's been spreading rumors about us. And that's the opposite of high noon, by the way. We don't encourage that. But in terms of courage, I wanted to mention an act of courage that I did because I wrote a really angry, very smart response to make him feel like garbage and stupid. And then I erased it. And then I wrote him another one. And then I erased it. And then I just gave him a thumbs up because it was in is in messengers. So I just gave him a thumbs up and I, I ultimately it was me going through the process of it was my ego feeling attacked 
and I wanted to attack back. But I knew that that was a bad decision, but emotionally it felt yeah. well, like what I wanted to do. And then it took courage to take a breath and to do not what I wanted to do, but what represents high noon and what's the good thing to do. And I just, yeah. the thumbs up. And I also had to be sincere when I gave him the thumbs up, not a sarcastic thumbs up. Because you can feel that when somebody's like, thumbs up, like way to go, jerk. But I was more like, yeah, I had to be sincere in pressing that thumbs up to be like, look. You go. You obviously have passion in your life. Go for it, man. <laughs> Even you know what I would have done, Andrew? What I would have done is shared all of my deepest, darkest secrets with him. <laughs> Just see how he responds. Yeah. I Well, you know, I could talk to him. That's maybe stage two. But that's the, again, that's an act of courage is not to do what your ego wants you to do, but to do what you know you should do. And that's... Mm a very unheroic thing many times because it makes yourself look worse. You want to look good. When somebody attacks you, you want to be like, oh, you think I look bad? You look bad. Instead of just being like, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect. And that's so disarming for any attacker, right? When they're like, you suck. And you're like, you know what? You're right. Sometimes I do feel like I suck. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) You know, like every bully in every, you know, American movie ever. They, they they want a reaction. They want to elicit pain. But when you've already when you've already done the work of objectifying your own mistakes, then it has no power. And people can't they can't prod it and provoke it and and bring it out to make you feel worse because you're like, yeah, I am imperfect. You want to talk about it? Like that's that's a powerful person. But all of our politicians, all of our celebrities, and all that are are not driven by that healing energy of talking about their mistakes they will hide their mistakes at all costs even you know they're in court like think about bill clinton he's in court and he's like i did not have sexual relations and it's like you clearly did and then he did and he kind of never apologized and he's still writing books about how to be a great leader all this stuff is like can you just say that you suck and then we can all say yes you made a giant mistake and then you can heal it and be like, yeah, I made a mistake. Cause, and then we can all learn. But when people don't let go of their ego, then that thing is not restored. And then it's out in the air and then it gets repeated. But if he was like, if he just, before he went to court, be like, I made a massive mistake and I'm going to step step down. It's like he would be hated for a short period of time, but then his legacy would actually be he's a hero because he's honest. And especially if he worked on himself after, this is a very specific instance, but this is the actual principled way is you admit I made a giant mistake and I want to step down because I'm unfit for office. He'd be hated by his own party. He'd be hated by the other party. He'd be made fun of all this stuff. He'd be a laughing stock for years. But if he worked on himself and he redeemed himself, his soul would be free. And maybe society would eventually celebrate him, but spiritually he would be a free person. But instead, somebody like him continues to lie and cheat and steal because that's all he knows is to protect his ego. So for all, I know that sounds like me crapping on Bill Clinton, but it's just an example of something that we all do. And if you go the courageous route and you and you really enact courage, it means sometimes looking like an idiot in front of all of your friends and family and being the bad guy. But over the long term, your soul gets free. And again, watch Les Miserables because, or Les Miserables as Americans say it, but... I can't say it like that because I was. 
but that it's the story of two guys, one who can let go and admit that he's wrong and go the righteous route, and the other a guy who can't, and he ends up going crazy and killing himself because he just, his ego is so confounded by why would somebody not protect their ego. So anyway, courage, guys and gals, can't, can't extol its virtues enough, can't promote it and encourage it enough, but if you're confused about it in any way, reach out to somebody and have a conversation because conversations, difficult conversations, take courage. In this present iteration of our society, it's easier to talk to people who agree with you and to hate the people on the other side, like Benji was saying earlier. It takes courage to, to talk to people who might say difficult information to you to face it and to move on or to express doubt or fear about something that's important to you. That takes courage instead of just pretending like everything's okay which is what most people do. But we encourage, encourage you all to reach out to us. Let us know ways in which you've been courageous or ways in which you would like to be courageous and we can celebrate your victories and also help you do the things that you know you should do. That's what High Noon is all about. We want to celebrate everybody who's, who's working on themselves and to help you continually work on yourselves. Yeah, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Having courage does not mean lack of fear. Courageous people don't lack fear. They do what they need to do despite feeling fearful. Because yeah. if you weren't, if it wasn't a little bit scary, it wouldn't be courage. It would just yeah. be doing what you want. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So if it's a little scary, yeah. it's probably a good sign that it's something to do. You know? Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily lead to good things all the time in the short term, but it will always lead you to where you need to be if you do the thing that you know you should do. Because, again, sometimes it just creates more trouble. Like telling your spouse, hey, I have an addiction, doesn't mean that they're just going to hug you. Sometimes they will, but sometimes they'll, they'll cry for days and months, and they'll judge you and blame you. But ultimately, you're letting them know who you really are so that you can genuinely love each other. You're creating the space for God to work. Lack of courage blocks God. Our five high noon virtues, honesty, accountability, grace, integrity, courage, all those are vessels for God to work. And he needs all of them to work fully and to have a thriving life. And if you block any of those, then you're suffocating that, that connection, that vessel, that artery to God. Okay. So we're going to go. This is a longer one. Benji, sometimes we do like 30-minute podcasts. This is an hour and six minutes. So thank you all for listening this far. I hope I hope you could steep yourself in this. And I really hope, too, that you can, you can buy what we're selling, which is to be courageous in small ways every day and in big ways when they come. Thank you all for listening. See you. And they can't hear your podcast. Uh, Benji gave a thumbs up, but I don't think they know that his thumb doesn't make noise. All right. Bye, guys. See you next week.